Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. Now here's your host, Stacey Hegarty. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm Stacey Hegarty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Our guest for today's episode is Britt James Carpenter, Executive Director of Philly Unknown and Triumphant Transitions. Britt, it's so good to see you. I know we've been trying to get you on this podcast for a while now. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited so, to talk today. Let's start with using yourself to tell our listeners about yourself. About myself. Um, like I said, my name's uh, Britt Carpenter. I, uh, I live in Philly. Um, I run an organization called Philly Unknown which is a nonprofit that works with people who are experiencing homelessness and substance use disorder and basically just those who need day-to-day resources. And I do I wear many different hats day-to-day, but sort of that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> well, let's talk about your professional history. You and I have known each other a long time, but obviously our listeners don't know. Uh, you have not always been in the not-for-profit world. And uh, so talk about what that what happened? How did that transition happen for you going from life in corporate America to you know, life in not-for-profit, helping people experiencing homelessness? Um, you know, I saw like the, uh, well, the, uh, the for-profit corporate America world that, that we worked in was such a, a different world that, you know, every single day was pushed, you know, that we, had to perform numbers and produce and do this and do that. And, you know, it, it, it was just a constant, you know, from bell to bell, from the morning the time you got up to the time you went to the sleep or to the time you woke up in the middle of the night with the anxiety to check your email, make sure everything was cool. And I, I started thinking to myself, there had to be a lot more to life than this because I wasn't really happy, you know, and it wasn't really great. So, you know, um, I figured if I could make it in a world where, you know, the numbers are being asked to be huge, why can't I make a difference in a world where there are people who are needing help, who are appreciative of the help that they're getting and are forgotten about? So, it, it, you know, it, it was an easy switch. Is that an answer to the question? Is it is. <laughs> well, let's talk about Philly Unknown. Uh, it's It's gone through a lot of transitions over the past, I don't know, how long? 10 years? Six, eight no. years? Oh, geez. Um, It'll be seven years in December. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. It's getting there. Seven years, December 12th. <laughs> seven years. And I know it's, so you started off doing homeless support basically. And talk to me about what that's been like. What have you learned? Uh, I know your focus has mostly been in the Kensington neighborhood, correct? In Philadelphia and working with population there. How has Philly Unknown helped to support that community? Oh, wow. Um, you know, Philly Unknown started out as a boots on the ground organization where, you know, we would get uh, together what we call compassion bags, which was bags full of resources that were needed for people who were on the streets or even people who may have shelter but didn't have um, enough income. Or, I mean, let's face it, Philadelphia is not a cheap city to live in. It's a very expensive city to live in and it just keeps getting more expensive and you know the um the, you know the uh the population of people here who are at a lower economic advantage to others um is is great so we would get compassion guys together which was resources like hygiene products snacks stuff like that 
went out and our basic mission was to go out and just make connections, make connections with people that other people won't make connections with. You know, there you walk by it every day, no matter where you are, whether you're in Philadelphia, whether you're in Denver, whether you're in the middle of, you know, at, at any freeway getting off, you see somebody who is homeless or who is asking for help of some type and people are just uh, walk by them or they drive by them or they don't make eye contact. And, you know, so what we did was we went out and we provided that. We provided those connections. We provided that eye contact. We provided that handshake. We provided that compassion bag and a little bit of time and listened. And that's what they want. You know, sometimes just a smile. And But we started um, the organization in the city and we moved it out to Kensington because it just got worse out there. So. Now, a couple of years ago, you were involved with Voices of America and uh, participated in a docu-series and featured some of the folks that you worked with, talked about your own story. A lot of the people who are experiencing homelessness, it's not a matter of didn't work hard enough or not everyone is experiencing severe mental illness that for many folks who are experiencing homelessness, it's as a result of substance use disorder. And before we proceed, I think some of our listeners would probably expect me to say experiencing addiction, but substance use disorder, that's something you and I have talked about before. And why is that phrase preferred over addiction or alcoholism or something like that? Well, you know, um, it's interesting because there, there's words that are out there in, in everyday language that have become over years stigma words, words of stigma, words that didn't fit into a community in a certain way or had a negative connotation uh, towards, you know, what somebody is or what somebody does. And uh, addiction, you know, being called an addict was just something that felt, you know, sort of, you know, you know, like nails on a chalkboard and, you know, so just, you know, somebody experienced a substance use disorder because that's what it is. They have substance use disorder. So it's, you know, somebody with an SUD, it's just like somebody who, you know, has mental health, you know, somebody experiencing MH or, you know, you just want to make sure that you're not demeaning the person and what they're going through. And that's why it's important to, and also, so people understand and it's awareness and the more they hear it, the more they start to use that terminology. Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy for people who are not struggling with substance use disorder to walk past someone experiencing homelessness and roll their eyes and feel like you did this to yourself. Those, this is your problem, not my problem, when really it's a community issue. And it affects everybody in the community, whether or not you are wealthy, whether or not you are healthy. What do you see happening in neighborhoods that are struggling with people experiencing homelessness, not having anywhere to go, not having services? How is that creating issues in communities? Well, I mean, Philly alone, I mean, we have one of the largest open air drug trades in the country right here, you know, in the midst of our city, a place called Kensington. And it's been notorious for years. And, you know, that's what the Voice of America documentary that you had asked about um, you know, focused on and focused on the neighborhood and what was going on in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, it's become a, a stomping ground for anything goes there. So you're looking at a city that has one of the wealthiest zip codes in the country, one of the top 10 wealthiest zip codes in the country. And it has one of the top 10 worst zip codes in the country, which is almost the top three. And it's infested with drug dealers on every corner. It's infested with um, just dirt, garbage, they forget about it. It's a it's a area that's forgotten about here. Um, 
you know, um, sometimes I go off your question and I just go. <laughs> That's oh, so just reel me back in. <laughs> no, I like listening to you talk about it because I think it leads us to good places. Yeah, I'm used to asking the questions, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, no, um, you know, every neighborhood is susceptible to this issue of, of you know, homelessness and people there. I mean, as a matter of fact, some of the, the nicest neighborhoods here, that's where the those experiencing homelessness will go to sleep because they know that they'll be safe there. They know that they'll be safe, they'll go to the parks and the security guards will then tell them at five or 6 a.m. it's time to go. But they at least got a good night, safe night's sleep from not sleeping with one eye open. However, you go to a neighborhood like Kensington where you don't sleep because it's constant sirens, it's gunshots, it's you know violence, it's trauma constantly on a daily basis. And you're talking like zip codes that are only three miles apart, two miles apart, so. Yeah. While we're talking about community, let's talk about the Ruth Street Gardens and what Philly Unknown has done just for that little piece of the neighborhood and how that is not only supporting the folks in the neighborhood, but also um, getting awareness around Philly Unknown. Yeah. Um, the Ruth Street Garden is is a really great place. It's a great sanctuary place. It's a, it's a safe space. It's a safe green space in Kensington in the midst of all the chaos. There are no safe green spaces in Kensington. Um, a lot of people take for granted that they could walk outside their front door without shoes on and just step outside and grab, you know, the paper or grab, you know, whatever it is or run to their car. And you can't do that in Kensington. There's just no possible way. And we provided a safe green space where people can take their shoes off and come in and there's um, vegetation growing and the community has gathered to help plant the vegetation and there's such trauma going on in Kensington and let alone in people's everyday lives that sometimes working with gardening and just being out there, it's therapeutic. And it brings people together to, for, you know, a common goal and they forget about life for a while and they bring something that's beautiful. You know, we have neighbors across the street from the garden that every time they're there, they make it a point to come out and wave now and say hello. And, you know, before the trash was just piling up in front of our place and the you know, just getting worse and worse and worse. But now the even those experiencing homelessness on the streets that are unsheltered, they're respecting it or they're not making it like it used to be. And, you know, we're showing them that we care. We're showing them that there's a space that they can come, that we care. But the Roo Street Garden has been a three-year process so far. It's been a draining process. It's, you know, we want to give it up. But to see it come into fruition this year has been amazing. It's been one of the one of the things this year that's brought me a lot of pride. So. And I've seen on uh, the social media posts, you're actually getting lots of tomatoes and some, some great vegetables are coming out of the Ruth Street Garden. We've had a huge harvest this year, actually. We've had more than I would have ever expected. I mean, we're talking like bushels full of stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, we have everything from tomatoes to zucchini to squash, um, eggplants, uh, basil. Of course, we grew up, we have a nice pumpkin growing. We've got... Watermelon. I brought a watermelon home yesterday. I'm excited to let it ripen a little bit and try it. So, you know, it's been an interesting thing. And plus, it teaches the residents that, you know, about sustainable living. And we've also used everything in the garden um, that's been repurposed. It's been repurposed from something else. That way, landfills aren't being filled with junk. So mm -hmm. we bring the junk to the garden and we make treasures out of the junk. So. A lot of times the people that you are meeting in your outreach with Philly Unknown and through the Ruth Street Gardens, you're able to help them find support and help 
to get their situation turned around, whether that's because of substance use disorder or mental health issues or uh, poverty, whatever, whatever it is that happened that got them onto the street. A lot of times you've been able to help find them resources. And something that you recently started doing is triumphant transitions. Let's yes. talk about triumphant transitions. Triumphant transitions. Triumphant transitions is um, a fairly unknown initiative. One of the many that is to work with those who are coming out of treatment, um, coming out of crisis centers, coming out of incarceration, and to give them a safe, sober, transitional living home to work their recovery journey in. So we think, you know, we'll work with people that are coming out that had substance use disorder. We work with people that have mental health. We work with people that, you know, um, and when I say substance use disorder, I, you know, just to be a little clear, like I consider alcoholism as part of substance use disorder because it's a substance, you know, and um, so people are like, well, that's not the same then. What it is, but because uh, you asked about that before too, but it's a pretty much the same. But anyway, um, and those formerly, you know, that are incarcerated, those that are, maybe just getting out and starting a life or trying to start their life and trying to get it together then. And we uh, bring them in and we uh, give them a safe place to stay. We help them uh, get on the track to hopefully get their lives back to where they want to be or to start their new life all over again, whatever it may be. And um, yeah, so the homes are, uh, they're pretty recent. Uh, it's a pretty new venture. Uh, it's been a, a total roller coaster ride. But uh, there's some good things happening there. We've had some success stories. We've had some not so, so successful stories, uh, which I expected because somebody in like because a person like myself who's in recovery, I know um, how hard it is uh, to to work your recovery. So you know, it's just the it's the ones that we can that we can help that stay are the ones that you know we focus on the most. So. A lot of our listeners are employers and. I think a lot of times people don't realize when someone is going through a struggle with substance use disorder. Uh, and I'm going to focus on that for just a little bit here. Many times people are able to be what we would call high functioning and still go to work, still be a part of their family and that there hasn't been the extreme repercussions of losing jobs, losing home, losing family, but it's still having such a negative impact on their life. How can employers support their employees and their workforce who may be going through substance use disorder or uh, have a family member who is struggling? You know, I think, I think one of the biggest things that, that holds people back from being able to help or support or to know what to do is just the lack of awareness, you know? And also I think the lack of, well, the, the empathy, the understanding, you know, uh, the understanding of a person and, and being a little bit more compassionate. I know sometimes as employers, it's hard to do that because you've got to set those boundaries. I mean, I'm an employer. I, I employ people with my pet sitting company that I operate. And, you know, I, I got to set those boundaries and I know how difficult it could be, but you also got to be compassionate to what their situation is, especially if they're doing a good job for you and it's, somebody who you value, then I think, you know, they're worth um, the time to invest in to find out what's going on with them and what's, and how you can help them and support it. Because, you know, I, myself, I don't know, I guess you would consider my, I was a functioning um, employee and, and even employer um, in my, in my substance use, uh, active substance use days. And 
I know myself that it was really difficult to maintain daily and, you know, without the support I would have got from other people would just been a failure. So it's, you know, people understanding, people getting that education, people going that extra distance to help that person, to support that person, to basically just be there for that person. I think a lot of times people fail to realize that they lecture the person a lot more than they listen to the person. And if people started listening a lot more and, and respecting each other's, you know, words, it would, it would be a heck of a lot better. So employers could do that. They could just really get a better understanding and a little bit more compassion. You know, I know the bottom line is what everybody wants in life and, you know, what, what, what's the final money that's coming in. But in order to get to that, can you imagine how much better that high functioning employee will be if they were not high and functioning? <laughs> So, you know, I think that would be a really, yeah, awareness. I think there's also a lot of stigma that surrounds people who are perhaps early in their recovery. And if there isn't a shiny, happy story of redemption and this person has completely turned their life around, that employers are a little standoffish and a little concerned about perhaps hiring someone whose resume is a little you know, not complete. Mm -hmm. And if they're honest and forthcoming that I, I've been in recovery or I was recently incarcerated or something like that, what do you recommend that employers consider if they've got someone sitting in front of them who needs a chance? I, I think employers have to realize that they got to the, where they were because somebody gave them a chance. You know, I started off as a, $10 an hour uh, instructor in a business college, you know, back in 1991 or two or something like that. And, you know, found myself, you know, 18 years enthralled in a business where I went from $10 an hour to, you know, there were six figures with bonus and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just somebody giving somebody a chance, believing in them. You know, everybody has a past, you know, it's like taking that, one ugly, nasty thing that everybody has in their past and exposing it. But the worst part is somebody who's incarcerated or somebody who is, you know, informally incarcerated or somebody who is, you know, in recovery, they're out there. The ugly thing that people have in their past isn't out there, you know, but if that would be the one thing that they've been known for the rest of their lives, like, can you imagine like how they would feel? So I think it's, you know, once again, it's that, you know, it, it, it's breaking Breaking down, getting some awareness, having some compassion. You know, is the person good for the job? Is it, you know, is the person one of the best persons for the job? If the person could do the job, then give them a chance. The worst that can happen is doesn't work out, you know, and that's okay. But there are a lot of employers that are now hiring those who are formerly incarcerated or, you know, in, you know, in recovery. And it's funny because it's those who are in recovery because they're making themselves entrepreneurs now. You know, because nobody else wanted to hire them and they're all becoming extremely successful. And it's great to see. Well, how can people get in touch with you, Britt, if they want to support Philly Unknown or Triumphant Transitions or the Ruth Street Garden or any one of the many <laughs> projects you have going on? Uh, they can go to phillyunknownproject.org, uh, which is our main website. Uh, Triumphant Transitions Recovery.com uh, is our other website for recovery homes. But um, all the information is on there, contact information. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Philly Unknown is they can just check it out. Google it. You'll find a lot of information about us out there. A lot.
Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so excited to share this with people because I'm so proud of the work that you're doing and couldn't be more excited. Uh, for more information about Envision Rise, you can find us at envisionrise.com. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.